Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Business Consulting. Each week we chat with amazing guest experts all aimed at helping you grow your VA business. So sit back, grab a cuppa and tune in for a fun-filled episode. Welcome listeners to episode number 44. Can you believe it? 44 episodes. That's almost a year. It's so exciting to get to such an auspicious double digit. My father-in-law's favorite number was 22. So this is double 22, which I'm quite chuffed about. (laughs) So did you think we'd still be here at 44 episodes, Joe? Do you know, you and I didn't talk about how long it would go on. When we when we started, it was it was kind of a bit of fun and to get, you know, some conversations going with the VA network. It, we didn't really sort of think how long we would go on for. So it's really it, it's really amazing that we've got this far and that we're A, we're still having such fun, and B, you know, we haven't exhausted all the amazing VAs out there that we can talk to and and share their knowledge with our community yeah absolutely it's really it really is completely amazing I wanted to have the podcast I felt it it would complement the training that I deliver a a different way of helping people obviously the training you've got to pay me for Mm. um, this is free so it was a way of, of of helping the VA community and giving them a voice and make you know so that they can be heard by other VAs and inspire each other because it's you know you need that and and because of remote working and I'm not talking about COVID I know we're all remote working because of COVID but VAs in particular work remotely anyway that is their regular (laughs) modus operandi really so when you work on your own and I know because I've worked from a home office for the last 12 years or so it's um it can be very lonely and I think it's really helpful to have a community that you can hear from and get inspiration from. So uh, I, I know that I have an online trainer community, uh, which is my water cooler. Uh, yeah. And you need that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah, I've um, just started looking at communities to link with um, for the data protection work that I do so that I can, you know, have those water cooler moments and also you learn from other people about how they're doing stuff um and then that improves your own practice yeah absolutely completely completely but today we have got a very special guest coming along very soon her name is rebecca robertson and her site is rebecca robertson evo and she is an award-winning financial planner um not finance yeah IFA, not financial yes. planner, yeah. advisor. Yes. I'll get that right. One, one of these days, I'll get all my words in the right order, won't I? One of these days, practice makes perfect. But anyway, so Rebecca's going to come on and have a chat with us soon with some top tips for, you know, looking after your money, what you should be thinking about, about your money. But I just wanted to wondered how, Joe, do you track? your income and outgoings in your business do you do it in a spreadsheet do you do it in your accounting software what do what do you use putting you on the spot there no it's fine I'm I'm a QuickBooks user I adopted QuickBooks I don't know two years ago possibly when um, the original software I was using 
started to talk about not operating in the UK and the EU because of various things. So I moved to QuickBooks. So my financial sort of processes are at the end of every month, I look at the profit and loss. I look at um, my costs and my outgoings and I review whether they're working for me, you know, and, and whether I'm for a start, am I earning enough to cover as a minimum what I'm paying out in terms mm. of my software, my IT support, my website hosting, and all of those things? Um, then I look at over and above that, how much of that money then pays me a reasonable salary or, you know, income and drawings? And how much of that then have I got left to um, think about things like, do I need a pension? Do I need this? You know, all those other things and putting some away for my holidays and, (laughs) you know, um, all, all those other things that are aspirational and on my vision board. Um, And it's useful. I think if you're doing it on a monthly basis, because you can then review the costs and you keep on track of those things like the direct debits it's a bit like that story you know uh, there's the story that we all sign up for a a gym membership in January we don't go and then we forget all about it and all of a sudden at the end of the year we've spent a thousand pound on the gym and been there twice in January so by regularly reviewing your accounts you can track your cash flow and you can look at those maybe unnecessary expenses that you know you signed up for thought they were a great idea and now you don't you know yeah absolutely I think that's I think that's really good I needless to say use a spreadsheet Um, I have a master workbook and on one worksheet I have all my outgoings so I know what my monthly outgoings are and then on another worksheet I record across the top the months and down the left-hand side, the courses. So my my stuff is a little bit different. When I had the training company and it was face-to-face training, you could um, you could forecast forward quite m- much more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you knew that <clears throat> training was going to get booked, and there would be so many days a month that would get booked, even if you couldn't see it right now. It just over the time you you got to know that that would happen. With the online courses, it's a little bit different. I never know. Um, what courses are going to be bought by people or subscribed to, or when if any live virtual training is going to be um, booked in as well. So when something does come in, when I get an inquiry or a booking, I place it in the column for that month. So I know that in March, I've let's say, f- for example, February, I've got a couple of live virtual trainings happening next week. So they are I know that, you know, like February, I'm going to make X because that, and then every time I sell a course, um, I don't rely on the course software platform. I also keep a record in Excel and I'm very lucky because my husband's my accountant and he keeps track of everything. So every, he'll do the back. I've only recently outsourced all of it to him. I used to do most of it myself. Mm -hmm. And really that was very silly um, because it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's also not emotionally involved with whatever he's looking at to him, their numbers. Yeah. And he just wants to know what they mean and what they are. So it's, it's much, much, it's taken the 
really taking all the stress out of it. But I do keep track. And I have to admit, the first year of tomorrow's VA, I didn't keep track um, in the same way that I've started doing in the last couple of months because I was building the online platform and building the content. So there wasn't that much to sell. Um, so I knew there wouldn't be that much coming in. So I kind of took my eye off the ball. And I think there's a different element here as well, which will be interesting to know what uh, Rebecca's take on it is, is, is your mindset, because um, what you focus on is what you attract. So by focusing on, you know, your outgoings and your income, yes, you're going to be aware and you're going to be in the background working to get more of that and, yes. and pay less of that. So yeah. um, I know I've got a lot more serious in the last few months about earning a bit more money because I haven't earned very much in the last year. You know, I'm totally honest about that. When you're building a business from yeah. scratch, it takes it takes time. We also moved countries. So there was quite a lot going on last year. Yeah, so, yeah I, I know exactly th th what you mean. And um, I'm also in the same position as you in that I am married to an accountant, a tax accountant. <laughs> so um, I also have those regular discussions with him and and he'll sort of look at my balance sheet or he'll look at my profit and loss or he'll go through the accounts with me and we look at where we need to make changes and as you say it, it it's so true somebody who is not passionately involved with the business and just looks at it as a set of numbers can look at it and say why is that happening? Why is that happening? What happened here? And and they have no, there's no judgment. There's no, no critical. It's just, they see a pattern in the numbers that you don't because you. You're too busy being doing. Yeah, totally, totally. Right. Well, I think we better go and queue up and get ready for Rebecca. And it'll be interesting to have a really nice chat with her. So yeah. let's, um, let's go and get Rebecca. See you in a moment, listeners. Welcome back, listeners, and welcome to Rebecca Robertson. It's so lovely to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, lo I love just saying I love podcasts. They're always so much fun. We get to hear different people and lots of different questions. So thanks for having me. Oh, no, it's, it's a pleasure. I'm so pleased that Joe suggested that we have you. Often some of our guests are people that I know. So it's really nice to have guests when Joe knows the guests. <laughs> <laughs> so, share the load. So, Rebecca, do you want to tell our listeners, our, our virtual assistant and personal assistant audience, um, who you are, what you do, and, and what people are really interested in, we've discovered, is how did you come to do what you do? Where did it oh. come from? Oh, that, that was like a podcast in itself. That could, you know, that's a whole story about my journey. And oh. you know, we've all got a story, right? We've always yeah. got something to tell. Um, so I'm an independent financial advisor and I have a team of virtual assistants. So I work, I'm a limited company director. Um, I work for myself and I have about a team of five or six different wow. people doing different things. So very much rely and always have done on virtual assistants for different degrees of their tech VAs or specializing podcasts or whatever else it is that they get up to. Um, and I have one what's called a client manager who just works for me. Um, but again, she's still virtual. So um, it's, I think it's I've done I've done that prior to covid. Um, I've always been in that sort of online space. I've run my business for 10 years. Wow. Um, and I provide independent financial advice under my 
regulated business, which is Evolution Financial Planning. I'm a director principal of that, and that's an FCA registered firm. Um, and then I also have like a second business, which is under my own name, Rebecca Robertson. Um, and that's where I do sort of more of the education piece or coaching piece, which is technically not a regulated yeah. role. Um, but it means that what I can do is I can provide more generic planning advice. And I believe, especially with women, that um, women can be, tend to be a little bit, um, they're either all over it and fantastic with their finances, or they're a bit like, oh, I just, I'll, I'll deal with that later. And quite often we're busy, we've got a lot going on, whether it's looking after grandchildren or our own children or older family members, we sort of take on a lot of responsibility. Um, and that has an impact on our finances, right? Um, so I think it's even more important that, you know, with gaps of employment, gaps in insurance, gaps in pensions, mm. you know, gaps in it in so many different ways, it, you know, the wealth gap itself, it's primarily sitting with women. But um, my passion comes from the fact that women are going to be holding, if you like, more wealth because we're living longer than men. And come a few more years round, we're going to be holding some of the highest proportions of wealth, billions of pounds of wealth. Um, but I, what I believe to reduce that wealth gap that you know is, is getting unfortunately bigger because of COVID and, and mm. the pandemic um, is that we are the answer to that. So boots on the ground, women at kitchen tables are really where my drive is to encourage education so that we can encourage our children and start to reduce that generational wealth. So that is my passion and why I do what I do. Oh, but that, that's not where I where I started, of course. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Because if I think back and think back to, to my mum, you know, she I was talking about her just the other evening um, to somebody and, and she was of a generation where she never had a job. She was a full time housewife. Mm, and she had yeah. no idea about managing money at all my father did everything like that and he actually wasn't very turned out wasn't very good with money either um but she uh, and and so she ended up in quite difficult financial cir circumstances but that was her generation mm. um as much much that the school you know she would have been in her late 80s now but right. um but I think that was a generation thing that, you know, wives of the 60s were the housewives mm. and they didn't, 50s and 60s, they, they didn't go out to work and they, they maybe got their housekeeping and that was the yeah. extent of the money. Is, is, we, is, it wasn't in our bank accounts until like it was 19, was it 30 or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, um, yeah. So it's no wonder that generation did. And unfortunately, that is like a, this, like, this, this increase of responsibility over each 10 years or so you start to see a shift but even with for example my mother-in-law who is early 60s um she was she worked but she didn't didn't have like a you know a big career at that point you know she was worked in a nursing home she now works in a doctor's surgery so you're not talking a you know very caring loving person but those roles aren't well paid right yeah, yeah they're not yeah. the career where you know you're a top earning gp earning hundreds yeah. of thousands even even though it's in a care caring role she she's a highly intelligent woman um and you know don't ever i, I always ask her to how to spell something because she literally knows everything <laughs> Um, so it's not in no way a sort of a detriment to education or, or, or capabilities no. that lack of empowerment is not there. Um, yeah. And they are, she was, you know, looking after the children and it was yeah. only once yeah. they grew up a little bit that she went, right, well, I'd, I'd like a bit more money. What should I go and do? What's the easiest thing that fits around everybody else? Um, and that's only gradually started to change. So I'm only seeing women in their thirties. Um, they are, 
extremely empowered they want to be independent but that's prior to them having children I, yeah. I, I am seeing marginal differences in the approach but once there's a child involved unless they were a high career spot or high business level you don't see a big shift it still is quite an old-fashioned mechanism yeah where but that's why women are starting businesses, why you've got more virtual assistants, because it is more flexible and you can work around the children. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting subject, I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I sounds like you've been doing lots of research on it as well and, and spotting the trends and the patterns, which is which is fascinating in and of itself. But I yeah. think you're right. I think a lot of um, the, the virtual assistants who are not employed as such, mm. well, they are employed in their own business, but they're not employed by full time by another business and it is that measure of wanting to be independent and wanting to be in control of and make more of life isn't it totally yeah and that's why I started my business exactly the same reasons I didn't want to work for um or at the time I I, my story you asked why I started doing what I'm doing I'll give you a bit of an insight and that's why I started my business so I started um I didn't go to university um I went to college I left school at 15 my first job, if you want to call it, was picking strawberries in a strawberry field. I had my bike and I biked out early, early, early in the morning on my bike to the strawberry fields just to, to earn some money. I didn't yeah. come from an affluent, money-driven mm. environment. I was brought up in a council house by my single parent dad. And my aspirations in life is that I'd probably at best be a receptionist. Like That was aspirations of what I would, would achieve. So I'm good with people. But, and that did, I did actually become a receptionist at 19. And um, I started working in a bank when I was just shortly after. I was made redundant and I was a temp in a bank. And that's how I got into financial services. So I never actually planned to work in financial services. And there's a whole little story all around that. But I'll move on. And by the time I was 28, I was a regional sales manager. And I ran a team of financial advisors and mortgage brokers. I'd worked for Bradford and Bingley Alliance and Leicester. And I'd, I'd sort of done really well with my career. Um, and I was super proud of myself. I had this brilliant badge of honour that I was a regional manager. And I felt that that was like my yeah. identity. You go to a party and what do you do? I'm a regional manager, you know. And um, I, I was quite young at the time. And that to me was my identity. And then I fell pregnant. And um, my daughter's now 13 in a couple of months, going 33. Yeah. And um, she's, a, she's a, oh, my God, the next generation of women are going to be absolutely incredible. Um and uh, I was made redundant when I was 14 weeks pregnant. And so I was the other regional manager. So there was no comeback because there was two of us, not just one of us. And um, basically the recession hit about six months later. So I was having a baby, heavily pregnant in a recession. So there there was no jobs in financial services whatsoever. Fast forward a massive, like, you know, signing on, running out of interviews as a cashier in a bank, you know, sort of where I was when I was 19 crying because I couldn't do it. Um, I had, you know, a thyroid issue, hormone issue going on. I went through a massive sort of epiphany. I'd go to parties and people would say, what what do you do? And I'd be like, I'm just a mum. Like I lost that badge of honour, right? I just felt like I was just a mum. And and I I sort of annoyed at myself that I felt like that. But I, I, because one of the things I'm most proud about is being a mum. but it, that's how I felt at the time. And then so eventually um, I did get back into the industry. I was, I was back being an advisor again. I was really, really good at it. I was earning really well. It felt great from going back to signing on, you know, having sort of mm. a bit of a, 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 this balance of uh, being a mum, but having the label again of, 
a um, mortgage broker, fin financial planner, and, and a mum. It's sort of a different kind of label. Um, but I was micromanaged, self-employed, but I was micromanaged. I was told what to charge, how to charge. And it didn't fit right with me. Like lay in bed at night going, this doesn't feel right. Mm. I started looking for another broker, another place to work, another company to work for. And I just couldn't find anywhere. I just couldn't find anywhere that set right within my values about how I wanted to treat customers. It was all about the sale, never about the client. Mm. Um, so that's when I started my own business. And it was easier because it was I was flexible. I could do it around my daughter and make it work how I wanted it to work. And I'd been at a sat like a quite a senior level before. So I figured if I could do it for them and get their business successful, why can't I do it for myself? And it took years of learning it didn't wasn't yeah. a success for ages um but you know that's being an entrepreneur right that's in business you have to learn from your mistakes pick yourself up and, and yeah. carry on yeah I have to keep going I worked for the Alliance of Leicester did you in fact Never. I worked for the Leicester oh did you wow <laughs> when uh when we first were married when I, I lived in London uh, first lived in London um I worked would have been I was we married in 1982 so it would have been about 1983 I think wow. I worked for they opened a branch in Kilburn High Road and it was the yep. Leicester Building Society and I was the senior branch assistant that was my label Oh. and um I, I stayed there until I had Elizabeth and I went back to work after I had Elizabeth because at that time interest rates were 15 percent yes wow. and because yes. I worked for a building society we only paid seven percent nice <laughs> so I had to go back after I had mm. her because otherwise they would have taken back the six months maternity difference wow. um but uh, and also I thought I need to know if I really want to work or if I want to be a full-time mom. Mm. And so I totally understand what you mean about I'm just a mom because I did mm. leave um, and I was bored as a full-time mom. <laughs> but, mm. you know, it's what you did. It's their own. Like, there's yeah. no judgment from, like, I'm sure yeah. you're from my perspective. No judgment at all. No. But, um, yeah, it totally does not. I mean, I, I love I love him. I've got a four-year-old as well. Um, and he is hilarious. He's just oh, I love four. Four is a brilliant age. He's just hilarious. The questions he asks make no sense at all. I don't, this morning I spent five minutes going, what? What? <laughs> what? I, don't, I just don't understand what you're saying. Um, but I think I went, I worked in that branch at one point, actually, because I was, yeah. I travelled around for Alliance yeah. Nestor, and I looked after different staff when the yeah. branch managers were on holiday and stuff. Yeah, no, um, yeah. So, it was yeah. it was a lovely branch. There were lots of stories from that time, but not for now. So, so uh, Rebecca, have you got any tips for our VAs about financial independence and mm. just generally what they should what they no the should's a really nasty word, but what sort of things could they do? That's a better word. Could is a better word than should. Mm. So, what what sort of things could they do to make sure that they are? running a viable financial business and, uh, and what sort of things should they be putting in place? Well, that, that's a massive subject, right? I, I know. Just like a whole just, course on just like... Just pick a little bit. This is a little bit. Just okay. a little bit. Well, I, the way I like to see it is um, there's always this aspiration to um, you compare yourself to other people financially, right? And you yeah. put, we, we talked about labels already, how we put labels on ourselves mm. um, around you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not earning enough, um, or I'm, I'm not, maybe I should be charging more, but when I'm here, I'll do. So actually my biggest tip in business when it comes to money is the mindset. The mm. biggest thing you can do, and it, it's, it's like an onion, like anything when you're learning personal development 
whether it's money or emotional uh, sort of you know historic stuff that's gone on with you in the past it takes time to heal those wounds it takes times to heal heal what's going on so the biggest tip i would give is to make sure that you are charging your worth for a start um, that you are not letting people get away with too many freebies because the biggest thing that i hear for virtual assistants is that quite often they get really good relationships with their clients um, and they want to do well they want them to keep the business they, and they want to you know they have a they're very much a server in the sense they yeah. want to help the business owner right I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this because you know this so their mentality then can be sometimes well actually I did the extra piece but don't worry about it, it only took 10 minutes or that only took half an hour so mm-hmm. knowing your worth and knowing your value is my biggest tip because you could do all the other stuff but if you're still earning naffle you're still naffle right yeah you've got you've got to increase your wealth and bring more money into the business so try and think of ways that you can increase your revenue so think about maybe an extra service that you could provide to existing clients think about a referral system that you could have asked from existing clients you don't then have to go and create loads of different things and tools and you know, you don't have to do very much. It's just about reaching out to the people that you're already working with, asking them what they might need, what other services might be helpful. And then when you've got an opportunity to learn how to do a different skill set or you've needed some feedback around a certain area that you thought you was quite good at, but maybe the client wants something a little bit more, you know that you can go and search and increase your skill set. So that to me is like a good investment because you're actually doing it to something that you not just that you want to do because it's nice to do it you're doing it because you actually know you can charge for your time for it that is a return of investment because you know you'll be able to charge for it whereas taking a random course and paying for it just because it makes you feel good is not technically a return of investment so being really clear on how you're spending in your business and being really clear around your mindset would be i know it sounds really basic but like i i need reminding of that right um I think if you, unless you're a bookkeeper, so some people that are virtual assistants, although you do need a, a sort of official bookkeeping qualifications, um, there are book, sort of semi-bookkeepers where you're not doing the full accountancy type stuff, but you're just up, up reconciling yeah. and just doing bits and pieces. Um, for the, those kinds of people that they don't always do it themselves in their own business, right? Because it's very easy to sort of tell other people how to do it or do it for other people because you're serving, but coming from a completely different place when it's your own is a different, it's just a a different emotional connection Yeah. because you're serving someone and helping somebody compared to helping yourself. So regardless of what your role is and how experienced you are, I see so many that don't look after their own personal finances, even though they're looking after others. Um, so being really clear on what it is you want to achieve financially and doing the books, keeping your book, keeping up to date, not every six months or every quarter, but every month, not leaving your tax returns for the last minute and um, actually having the accounts running on, a, on, on an ongoing basis. And the way I like to talk about this is that you have a projection. So you have a projection of what you want to be earning and how you can increase it based on some of the things I've already said, like referrals and increasing services. Um, and project that out for three months, six months, whatever feels comfortable. I've got I've got a freebie like 
spreadsheet for that if you want it. Um, and then you can sort of list down different products or one-to-one -one services or hourly rates at different points, whatever that might look like, adds it all up for you and it gives you a total. Then when you're going through the month and you then come to the end of the month, you know what you should have bought in, right? And equally, mm. if you did the expenses in the same mm. way, there's a spreadsheet that does the same way. You can then look at your books or your bank account and go, okay, that looks about right. What did I miss? What could I have done differently? And the figures will give you the answers, right? That you don't necessarily need to go and get some genius coach to teach you. Sometimes it's just a case of looking at your business and spending some yeah. time with the figures. So this, again, it all sounds really basic stuff, but we don't put time aside for this. Mm. We're so busy running in, in running our business and working in our business. And equally, when we're working on the business, we're often doing shiny objects. We're often yeah. like, like, you know, another newsletter or, you know, whatever else is going on. And I'm just as guilty as I'm, I'm, I'm preaching from a point of experience, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not saying I'm the really bad financial advisor that doesn't do any of her finances, not at all, but... There are times where I think, oh, I should be doing that better because I just sort of know what really, really good looks like. Yeah. And it's quite a quick, you know, a big uh, milestone to sort of match yourself up to sometimes. Um, so there's some of the really basic stuff. And once you've got to a point where you, you can pay yourself more, you know, you can charge more for your well, you know, for your time, your, your value, then you can start saying, I'm going to pay my physically pay myself more because obviously there's tax involved. So yeah. understanding what you want to earn and actually what how you're going to achieve that is a really basic thing but some people say a good example and maybe not just for virtual assistants but in the entrepreneurial space is i want a six figure business but yeah. then when they work out the tax and their costs well if that business model means you're actually only earning 20 grand a year as a net after tax yeah. or net after corporation tax after dividend tax and then actually you're earning 20 grand a year that's not a good business model, whether it's a six figure business or not. Right. If you're spending yeah. 60, 70 hour weeks or even maybe not massive amounts of hours, but you're outsourcing so much that you're actually not earning anything. There is no margin. There's no profit margin. Then that is not a good business model. Right. So, and so this is what tends to happen is that we have the aspiration of a figure, but we don't break that down as to actually what that net effect would look like. So that's another tip I'd suggest. If you know, for example, I call it um, your personal um, sort of like safety budget. Yeah. So if you know that you need to earn two grand a month, then work it backwards and go, okay, well, what does that mean in terms of gross or turnover? So I'll just explain basic language what I'm talking about. It depends if you're a sole, sole trader or you're a limited company. Sole trader is obviously different in that you pay income tax um, and expenses are deducted. Now, you might do a personal development program and run that through your books and put that as an expense. So there can be a slight discrepancy as to how much you run through your accounts. But on a slick basis, on the fact that you're bringing in five grand a month, you've only got a thousand pounds outgoings then you're netting four, you can quite easily work out your income tax on that amount and what you should put then put aside right. each yeah. month from that four grand left over, giving you a net amount. Now, if that net amount is not your minimum break even for you to be able to survive, then you need to go back to the figures and work yourself back up again. And the same applies for a limited company. But you've got an additional point of corporation tax and it's not income tax, it's dividend tax. So if you don't understand any of this stuff, then go on YouTube and Google it. <laughs> 
or YouTube it. You don't have to spend like hours and hours. You just need to have a basic concept. I've got a podcast. There's loads of podcasts out there. Go and just do a little bit of digging. So I think some of this basic stuff where you're comparing what you want to earn as a business owner and actually what that looks like as turnover people don't do it yeah, yeah. I think you're so, I think you're very right I could see Joe nodding our head yes. the whole time you were talking there and yes. funnily enough we were talking in the segment we recorded before you came on about how we track our monthly expenses which we both do which is right. you know um, we are both married to accountants as well which does help that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, great that you manage the expenses um because from a like an energy perspective it's checking things through yeah. But from an abundance perspective, what we want to do is we also want to like bring in more. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sometimes where we um, we don't we, we don't sort of check on it or aspirationally mm. we, we keep ourselves really small. Um, so think, you know, think my advice is this think as big as you, you can yeah. where you're currently at and then aim for that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Joe, have you got any from, from a VA perspective? What, what are your thoughts or comments for- on what Rebecca Rebecca's just been talking about it, it's it's really interesting isn't it that Rebecca's echoed what we discussed about being on top of that so one of the questions that is particularly pertinent for me at my age I'll, I'll tell you a funny story now um when I was about 19 I set up my first pension I thought I was brilliant my dad was on about get a pension get a pension um and I'd forgotten all about it. I'd just been paying into it and, and one thing and another. Anyway, a little while ago, I got this letter saying, it's nearing your retirement date. <laughs> and I read this letter and, and it's like, read it, read it, read it. And I rang them. I said, what do you mean it's near my retirement date? She said, oh, you put 50 as your retirement date. <laughs> and I had to laugh because at 50, I had 10-year-old twin boys. My, my twins are the, the, the same age as your little girl and um so they're just coming up to 13 and and it made me think then about what I'm doing about my pension as a as a self-employed person because you know we go to work and there's um usually a pension Mm. not always obviously but a lot of the time you can get a company pension and, and and so what would your advice be to not just VAs, but anybody who's self-employed about a pension? Because am I right in thinking that pension um, contributions can be uh, considered a, a tax deductible expense? I can't remember whether yes. I've got that right now or, or whatever, yes. but just generally pension. We've all yeah. got to retire some point. Well, they're not, they're not sexy, are they? You know, I'm sure when you set that up when you was 19, you're thinking, I'm not going to retire ever. You're probably no. thinking that's so long away. And then all of a sudden you're like, shit, I've got too much grey hair. I'm yes. getting older. I, li- <laughs> I really do need, if you can't see my grey, if you're listening, you can't see, but I've got so much grey hair going on. I, I totally get it. And as entrepreneurs, we often think, uh, well, it doesn't really matter. I'll just, I won't retire at 70. I don't want to retire anywhere. I don't want to retire at 60. I'll be, I love my business. I enjoy it. And it's part of who we're about, right? Yeah. But we don't want to be doing lives and, you know, Zoom calls. And, you know, we want to, we want to be on holiday or spending time with grandchildren or making more choice. It doesn't necessarily mean we want to be pushing ourselves to that degree anymore. Look, look at, um, the guy who runs Amazon, you know, he's billions and billions of pounds and he's just stepped, to, he's just stepped aside. 
um, he's had to get that to that real high point before that can happen. So what a lot of people do is they sort of think, oh, I'll sort that out later. And it just yeah. goes down the to-do list, right, for whatever reason. Or I'll sell my business comes up quite a lot. I'll sell my business. It'd be worth millions of pounds <laughs> and I'll be, I'll be sorted. Um, or I've, I've got some cryptocurrency is going to come in and that's going to earn me loads of money. Or I've got a couple of little properties up there. My, they're my retirement plan. There's always like a, a default somewhere along the line. Right. And I'm not saying some of those things aren't right or correct, but sometimes they're a high risk. What, you know, there, there's things going on with lots of those subjects, which, you know, take a level of risk, what might mean that they don't happen. And statistically, um, I, I forget the figure, but it was a report from Scottish Widows that um, I think it was one in four women that have auto-enrollment pensions, so they're offered through work, so literally just have to sign a piece of paper, yeah. have declined it. And they've declined it mainly because they can't afford it. Because if they take that auto-enrollment option, it means that their net pay is less. Now, often we're talking a very small amount. We might be talking 2%, right? So not talking a lot. But as they need that money, that's what pays for the kids for, to have shoes, yeah. for example. They're opting out of it because they can't afford to lose that lack of. So that's, that's wow. scary, right? So then if you apply the fact we've got so many more women in business and self-employed sole traders um, who have started their business and they haven't got someone saying, here you go, here's your pension. This is what you need to do. Just sign this piece of paper. In, in actual fact, what they have to do is they have to go like you've done well, I really need to think about that. I'm going to do something about that. Who do I need to get? What help do I need? What action do I need to take? And, and then do all the research. And then after the whole maybe you know, hours of work, then do they sign a piece of paper. So, so therefore, that's not happening. And it's crucial. And there are, it, I want to try and make pensions sexy because if I said to you, I'm going to give you free money, if you give me £100, I'm going to put it in this account and I'm actually going to make it 120 pounds. So I'm going to give you 20 pounds for free. Now, if I advertise that as like, a, you know, like a, mm. a sales pitch of something like, you know, come and invest a hundred pounds and straight away, I'll give you 20 quid for free. You go, that sounds like a good deal. And I'll add interest to it. It's going to be on the stock market. It's going to have some risk to it, but you know, potentially based on historic data, which is not a reflection of future, but it may mean that you could have an extra, you know, every year it's added to a little bit more mm. and at least means, you know, in 10 years time, it's not worth nothing. It should hopefully grow. And it means, you know, with rate of inflation, it's not going to devalue. So sitting in your business bank account or your personal bank account is just doing nothing. At least it, it's doing something there. There will be charges, but hopefully over time they will just be eradicated because you're earning interest anyway and it will offset costs. That's sort of the, the plan. Yeah. However... You know, there's a whole regulation piece around all of that. Um, but that is a lot of information. Me just saying that is a lot for people to take on. And you don't, like, where do I start? Where do I go? There's so many questions. Mm. But yes, you're right. There's tax relief. So you have what's called tax relief if you're a sole trader. That 20% free money is basically where the government give you a 20% top up. Um, and they give you free money. If you're a limited company, you could, the, the limited company can put the money in and that's a tax deductible expense. So what you said, right, Joe is correct. Once mm. for, so, um, but it's not sexy. It's, it, it's, it's something that you do when you get old or it's something you do later when I can afford it. And unfortunately, yeah. as, we can't afford not to. That's, yeah. the, that's the real issue. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's right. I absolutely agree with that. Always have to 
think forward and and also your point about before talking about income and putting and working out your tax each month and putting that money away so that you don't get hit with this huge tax bill and then you're scrambling around to pay it yeah, um, exactly. I think that's I think that's hugely important, hugely yeah. important. But it takes habits and you can yeah. set up standing orders and set up separate bank accounts. Like you haven't got to overcomplicate things. No. Um, you just, you know, have a separate little account, transfer it over. Styling Bank are fantastic for that. Yes. Uh, where you have the spaces and yes. you can put it aside. That's what I do. Each month I pay myself a certain amount and then I put aside my dividend tax in a yeah. separate account. And it's, yeah. it's, it, once you get into the habit, it's super easy. It can just feel a bit weird at first because it feels yeah. a bit scary and a bit strange. <laughs> yeah, always. I um, When I was, I'm not based in the UK anymore, so I no longer charge VAT. So my courses are a little bit cheaper, which is good news for the end. <laughs> any of that and less administration for me but when I was VAT registered um you know so I have three 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 pots in my bank account one is where the money comes in and then I siphoned off each month whatever the VAT amount every time somebody paid me I put the VAT money away straight away because otherwise you forget and then all of a sudden you get this big VAT bill and you think there's massive fines involved with that so again keeping your bookkeeping up to date and doing that on a monthly respective basis and then putting the amount aside I mean bookkeeping systems are great they should tell you what your corporation tax is and what your VAT is payable um but I just find if it's sitting in your bank account (laughs) you want to spend it you just want to spend it and this is another there's a really good book called profit first have you ever heard of this I have heard of that yes I haven't read it but I have heard of it and, and it's, it's a great book. The guy, Mike, who wrote it is absolutely incredible. But what I find a lot of people do is they read three quarters of it and then they get distracted with something else. Um, so that book is on the premise that you basically um, put um, pay yourself 50 percent. So out of what comes in, you pay yourself 50 percent. So that gives you a good margin as to if you're doing that yeah. right now or not. Um, and the other principle is um, you put five start off with five percent you can go ten percent twenty percent and you put that in a separate account which is your profit and you Mm. siphon off profit um into a separate account because again it's not sitting in your main account um basically and it's tempting to spend it yeah um and that's that's a pretty it's a bit more complicated than that but if you just do that that's Mm. a really really good what i want to encourage people to do is to earn more pay themselves more so they can invest more yeah that's it Absolutely. This has been fascinating. And um, I'm sure that our VA listeners are going to be sitting there making scribbling notes. If they're (laughs) scribbling when they're listening, or if they're out walking, they won't be scribbling. But anyway, I'm blathering on uh, <laughs> just blathering on here um no it's just been really fascinating so um perhaps um you, if you could let us have perhaps a link to your spreadsheet i presume it's on your website somewhere um is, yeah so if you send us over afterwards um the links to anything that you'd like us to promote or share we will pop Happy that on the web page that goes with the podcast yeah, which uh, which means that then listeners if if you go and visit the web page you'll be able to get to Rebecca's spreadsheet um, and that sounds like a really good one I shall be going to have a look at how you've constructed it mine's very rudimentary even <laughs> though I teach excel but I just keep it I might need your sim- help then Shelley <laughs> I keep someone it a- messaged me yesterday going and the cells aren't working I was like don't ask me <laughs> where's my VA <laughs> no you just have to keep it as simple as possible you know people Absolutely. often think they need these really complex formulas and at the end mm. of the day usually you don't no so, I totally that's agree. It. well yeah. I've always got like free challenges 
challenges going on and everyone always loves those Um, and I've got some exciting um, tools coming out which will be available and a book later on in the year so um, come and yeah come and check me out and hopefully I can help you oh that sounds amazing yeah books books are a lot of work I know that yes (laughs) I do know lots of work to do but thankfully I've got an amazing team that helped me I don't do it all yeah I think that's um that's definitely an important point as well is that, is that we can't do when you start out you probably do need to do everything yourself but you yeah. do need to get people in to help you after a while because you can't there aren't enough hours in the day um, no. to, to do everything and I'm, I'm much calmer now I've got more headspace and I'm able to create more and I, recently, I know we've probably got to wrap up, but for me as a business owner, I did, um, there's a really good, great book called Rocket Fuel. And it does like a, an analysis of like who you are in your business. And then I also did something called a human design profile. It's a bit like talent dynamics or wealth yeah. dynamics. Um, and I'm a generator. Um, and both of them basically sort of said the same thing. And where I'm in my zone of genius and in flow is when I'm generating. So yeah. generating um, tools and um, videos and that kind of stuff is where I'm good. Whereas if you ask me to start, like fiddle around uploading it and put subtitles on it and edit it down and be like no I just can't do it so it's being in your zone of genius and as VAs, I just encourage people to know what it is that their skill set is so that they can then help others because they'll be super fast at it and be really good at it and get all the recommendations and referrals and love it at the same time yeah we've interviewed a few VAs like that haven't we who absolutely love being secretaries or doing that kind of thing which a lot of us creative type I've never thought of myself as a creative but I know that I am a creative because I create stuff all the time so I must be um but yeah you don't asset that yeah you can you can create assets in a business by being creative um so like I've got a a social media uh, VA she's worked with me for nearly two years um, and she's really good at content and social media but she's terrible on Canva you ask her to create something visual even though she does social media and she's awful I have to give it to my website designer for her to create (laughs) templates for Emily to the which Emily's great at what she's great at, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it means that she's a real asset to my business because I recognise her skill set. And I yeah. think that's, we can't be everything for everybody. No, we can't. You've got to focus on the things that you're really good at yeah. so that, you know, so that you can drive the business forward. Because if you're and spread you too... thin, more. Yes, and if you you're spread... More. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're spread too thin, it's it, you, you can't get anything done either. That's the thing. No, I think exactly. that there is, there is value in the beginning at doing everything because then you know we've had this discussion yeah. before yes. haven't we Joe? we know yeah, absolutely you know what you want other people to do for you because you've done it so you you have a feeling for it but it has been a brilliant interview and thank you so much for agreeing to come on ah, loved it really enjoyed it thank you ladies welcome back listeners it was such fun there interviewing rebecca wasn't it joe yes and do you know what was really interesting she repeated what we said in our preamble about regularly checking your figures and knowing, you know, what you're doing with your, your money. Um, great tips there. Yeah. Really, really yeah. important tips for us. Yeah. I loved her advice about putting your tax money away every month yes. and paying yourself. And I'm going to be, I think I'm going to get profit first. I've heard a few people talk about that book yes. um, and it does sound like quite a good system. And I, ha- I, I have it on my shelf. Ah, you read it? Um, I bought it um, just at Christmas. So it is on my reading list and it's next one on the list. 
Oh, okay. You have a list. Oh, yeah. a list. Oh, a list. There's always a list. <laughs> There's always a list. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, yeah. So, so we we're going to add all of the um, links to all of Rebecca's things that she discussed to the web page. Uh, and yes, it's going to be really interesting to see her version of her profit and loss effectively or income and outgoing yeah. spreadsheet as well. Uh, and that's really great because we had also a link to Joanne Manville's uh, network tracking, networking yes. tracking spreadsheet. So yes. it's really good resources that we're beginning to to gather together here, which is yeah. which is very cool. Very, very cool. Now, that was fascinating. And what was also funny was that we both worked for the Alliance of Leicester, um, although I worked for it when it was the Leicester. And then it became while I was on maternity leave with Elizabeth, it became the Alliance of Leicester. Uh, so when I went back to work, it had changed. And we yeah. used to have an alliance building society about four doors down from the Leicester Building Society. It was very weird. But uh, but that was a long, long, long time ago before <laughs> IT training. We had one computer in the branch, um, like a central terminal, and everything was done with, you know, triplicate cash pads. And I had to add up because I was a senior assistant. I had to add everything up at the end of the day, which if anybody knows me and knows my ability with maths, this was not an easy feat for me and it, I would take me sometimes two or three goes to make the books tally you know like the amount of cash that was in the till yeah and the amount of the what the numbers that I'd added up that we'd written down uh, and it was usually because I'd made a mistake in the adding up somewhere um and uh, thank you know thank goodness for spreadsheets I just love spreadsheets because they don't make mistakes like adding machines it's much easier to see what you're doing agreed Agreed. Yeah, totally, totally. So um, so what, what are you going to be doing for the rest of the day today, Joe? Well, we've got another podcast in yes. an hour or so to record. Um, I am going to finalise. I've just done a, um, a report on somebody's um, GDPR compliance across their entire organisation. So mm. um, I just need to whip that report across. Um, I'm going to have some lunch. I think that's it's a good been idea. It's a long, long time since quarter to six when I had breakfast this morning. Um, <laughs> check on the boys to see what disaster has befallen my kitchen while they created their own lunch. And yeah, that's that's it, really. Yeah. For yeah. The rest of my day. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking to another VA um, after in between podcast recordings, uh, I found a wonderful lady who used to be an IT trainer and is now a VA. Uh, and she's going to be helping me with some of my course stuff, which, you know, is great because she knows where I'm coming from. And I think that's really important as well. You know, we're all, it was also what Rebecca was saying, you need to, to have your zone of genius uh, and, and be good at that, you know, work in that zone. And I think that's great. So I have a, VA and she is brilliant at what she does um, and you're brilliant at what you do yeah. and you know Jackie is brilliant at what she does so it's yeah. it's really good to be able to, to call on those different disciplines and those different specialities and, and harness them so we're going to have a chat about captioning videos that's what we're actually going to be talking about because Ooh. I've been well um, all of my courses as you know apart from the two or three early day ones um, most of them have two versions of each video so there'll be a, a, a caption less version like I'll down create it render it produce it and then upload it and then I, I have captions added to another one because of accessibility so you might have somebody who's watching or listening to 
uh, watching a pod, uh, a, a podcast, watching a video tutorial, but they can't have the sound on for whatever reason. They might mm. be in a noisy environment. They might have teenage kids driving them up the wall or whatever yep. it might be. Or they might be in an office environment where they can't have the sound on. Or they may be hard of hearing. So all of our my video, all of my courses have a video with captions in it. And actually adding captions to videos can be a very time consuming um, time. It's just at the beginning, I did them all myself. I actually typed them in. So in my screen recording software, which is Camtasia, as you when you add captions, it plays you back four second segments and you type what you hear and that's how it matches it up to the right place in the video mm -hmm. so it's quite time consuming if you imagine you've got a three minute video it can take you 12 minutes to caption it yeah. it, it really does take a long time then I was using an online service called rev.com which is artificial intelligence which is really good and nearly accurate but for that one you must go in online and edit all the caption files so you would have to watch through the video and listen and watch what's on the screen and correct the spellings and because they never got the names right or you know mm -hmm. windows might be with a small w instead of a big w that sort of thing um, and then you would download what's called an srt file which is the type of file that Camtasia needs to put the captions in the right place uh, in, and then you import it and then you produce a video again. So it's quite laborious. Um, I now have a new online. There's another app called otter.ai for captioning, which a lot of people know about, uh, and transcripts. You could also download transcripts. Uh, and I, uh, we've talked about Happy Scribe before. Uh, I mentioned I picked it up a lifetime deal on that from my favorite software place, AppSumo. And uh, I, I bought two licenses, which gives me four hours of transcription or captions a month. And so I've uploaded um, all of the PowerPoint videos I recorded yesterday for my new course uh, went up there yesterday. So there's a lot of content there. Um, and I'm going to be talking to Jackie about letting her do the sorting out of the captions rather than me while yeah. I can be recording the next two hours worth of lessons she can go through these so so that's kind of the the, the idea behind that so um, I'm quite excited about offloading that because it's a chore for me yeah. to do that whereas for somebody else it won't be a chore yeah so, that, uh, that makes absolute sense to me yeah it's I'm firmly in that space where Yes, just because I can do it myself doesn't mean to say I'm going to do it myself, because if I don't like it, I'm basically not going to, well, not not going to do it. But no, you don't do it as well as you could do it. You don't pay attention to what you're doing in yeah. the same way. It doesn't carry the same weight as other things, but it's something that I have to do. Yeah. Um, I need, you know, we need to provide accessible content and there'll be transcripts as well so um transcripts though are funny things aren't they because they are horrible to read yeah. because the transcript is literally everything that you say every um every uh every uh, so mm, mm, is uh, written absolutely. down <laughs> and they're absolutely horrible to to read and to be quite honest I don't feel the need to spend the time to really rewrite them because at the end of the day, it's what I was saying in the video. And if you read it along with the video, you'll also get the 
sense of the screenshots and what's going on and the screen sharing. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's the rest of this afternoon. And then, of course, we, we've got our second podcast interview. So for today anyway, so that's good. And we will have, um, at the moment, I'm looking at my trusty spreadsheet, we will have episodes scheduled up to the 26th of April, uh, once we've recorded the next, um, we've got two more to record after today's. Uh, and then we're, uh, we're going to be booking some more people in. So listeners, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. If you know somebody else who would be a brilliant guest on the podcast, somebody that you'd like to hear from, let us know. You can email me, Shelley at tomorrowsva.com or Joe, jlbbusinessconsulting.co.uk. Brilliant. You can email us both. You can find it on the website, www.tomorrowsva. There's a contact form there. I'm going to be adding a sign-up form there for the podcast. <clears throat> Just haven't got around to it yet because the new website only went live a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm loving it, by the way. So I'm really pleased with what's going on so do get in touch with us tell us what you'd like to hear because we just want this to be the best podcast it can possibly be and we'll see you next week you have been listening to virtually amazing the podcast for virtual assistants with shelly fischel and joe brianti we will be back with you again next week with yet another amazing episode see you then